Daniel shared with us around um, hope and the impossible promises of God. And what stood out to me from that was this idea of hope as not being about like looking at how things are going and then picking um, like the best case scenario, but rather looking at how things are going, possibly seeing that there is like nothing that promising, um, but living into the possibility of God's activity and like a better future anyway. And so in this sense, there's this like really mystical property of hope and that it's um, completely committed to reality and just seeing like, man, things are not looking good here, but living in this other way anyway. And um, man, that has just really, really stuck with me. And we, the reason we're able to live into the possibility is because of our trust in God, that God has done impossible things before and God will fulfill her promises and do impossible things again. And so we can live um, heading for that direction. And Scotty brought um, a beautiful message around um, creation as a koha, creation as um, kupu, as, as something that teaches us, that we learn from, that God speaks through. Um, and creation as something um, that we have like a kaitiaki relationship with. And I think um, we have um, responsibility to care for creation, but creation also um, is a kaitiaki of us. Like um, this morning, I just went and filled up this cup with water. If we all didn't drink water today, we would probably die like tomorrow or the next day. Like we are actually cared for and sustained by creation. And so we are in this um, yeah, relationship of care together. We are made to love and to enjoy and to be in right relationship with creation. Um, and in that right relationship, um, yeah, we're, we're to care and we're to love deeply um, and be in a flow of love with creation and with one another. But ever since the fall, um, that relationship has been under strain and we've been out of sync. We've been missing each other. And since particularly um, the Industrial Revolution a couple of hundred years ago, a bunch of countries um, started building societies and building ways of relating to creation that were powerfully out of sync with creation. And so where we've ended up is at a catastrophically bad relational space. Um, and that's been championed by um, a number of ways of thinking and ways of relating to the environment and like it's been a built up thing and so the challenge that faces us as we engage with this today is how do we build a new way and how do we unbuild this way and we're going to come to some more of the practical of that this afternoon which is going to be really great and some of the dreaming and the kind of um, prophetic imagination part of that this afternoon but um, where we're going to start today is around that thing I mentioned about hope being both a thing of truth and reality. Um, can you go to the next slide? Thanks, Bede. So this is this beautiful quote from um, a woman named Marva Dawn, who is um, a theologian who suffers a lot of um, things. She's physically disabled in a number of different ways. She says, the reality might be that our world looks totally messed up, that war and economic chaos seem to control the globe. But the truth is much deeper that Jesus Christ is still Lord of the cosmos and the Holy Spirit is still empowering many people to work for peacemaking and justice building as part of the Trinity's purpose to bring the universe to its ultimate wholeness.
reality and truth. Next slide, thanks. And we have um, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, it's like a really powerful chapter. Both of these things are acknowledged. The truth is acknowledged. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, Christ, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. So this is this powerful, bold truth. And then later on in the chapter, I'll read um, the wider bit than than what's just on the screen. Um, Reality is shared as well, which I love that those two things sit together. It says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, co-heirs with God, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation of the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the birth of childbirth, pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. It's still happening, Paul. We're still we're still groaning. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen, jump to the next slide, cause yeah, that's it. Hope that is not seen, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through, the, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And so what I want to say is that hope is the thing that calls us and enables us to hold on to the truth while we face up to the reality. Calls us and enables us to hold on to the truth while we face up to reality. And when we're holding two things, I know that, um, you know, when you're holding multiple things, it's pretty hard to do both of those well at the same time. So when we live too much into the reality, we can become overwhelmed and discouraged Um, and kind of seeing like, man, I just don't see how this is going to work out. And when we live only in the truth and we disconnect from reality, we become disembodied as if um, our lives with God just happen in a void. And we become kind of like kookily disconnected from um, God's commitment to actually putting us here um, with one another, with the world around us. 
and we stop um, reading, listening um, to the world around us and to God out there in reality. And so what we need to be is we need to be the people that hold on to both. And um, so few people are able to do that. So few Christians are able to do that. But I think that's what God's calling us to, to be people that face the truth, um, live into the truth, hold on to the truth, and look at reality and live um, as if things aren't just completely bleak. And so um, today what we're going to do is look at some of the reality this morning. We're going to look more at, take the hard look at reality and then I'm going to swing back to some of the truth. And then this afternoon, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some more time in the truth while looking at the things we can do in our current moment of reality. So these things are bound up together. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, do you want to talk to the next slide? What's the next slide? Yeah. Okay, great. All right, let's go to that. So... Reality of a world affected by climate change. Just a short list. I don't know how, how informed people are about this, so we're just going to do like brief kind of science lesson vibes, um, and then we'll, we'll come back to the theology. theology. So um, this stuff's already happening, but this is, this is like where the world's heading. It's a question of like how hard we head in this direction, um, and we have, we have the power to adjust how much we drive ourselves into this. So the reality of this is flooding, fires, droughts, sea level rise, which will mean um, places that we're now living will be uninhabitable, which will mean widespread displacement of people, which means more refugees but with less places to go, collapse of ecosystems, um, the extinction of many, many species, famine, and just ultimately death, death of beautiful places, death of beautiful people, and very possibly, eventually, just the death of the human species. So um, you guys probably have heard like, or seen in kind of sci-fi movies how like, in the end it's just like cockroaches still holding on and pigeons. Um, like, you know, in a really, really worst nightmare scenario, that might be it. Like, we, we are vulnerable species. We're smart, but we're also vulnerable. And um, the reality of some, like we, as I said with the water, you know, if I drank a really bad glass of water right now and didn't get, like, health support, I would just die. You know, we, we're fragile. And um, the reality is that um, I think we, we, we get to forgetting our fragility. Um, but, but we are fragile and we are dependent on um, the world to, to care for us. And so just going to um, show a few, like, real short videos. Um, B, do you want to go to the one about flooding from The Guardian? We're just going to watch, like, a min of a... Of Info about flooding. Um, science class, here we come. <laughs> this is just one from a couple of days ago because these floods are happening at the moment in the northern. Flooding atmosphere. is the worst type of natural disaster in the world, the deadliest type, along with earthquakes. But the climate crisis means that we are making flooding less natural and more disastrous. Flooding is getting worse around the world and for two simple reasons. The first one is that the temperature of the air around the world is getting warmer and warmer air can hold more water vapour. 
And what that means is that when it rains, more water is delivered in the same period of time, which makes it harder to drain away. So the rainfall is getting more intense. The second reason is to do with coastal flooding, and it's because of sea level rise. So global heating is raising the level of the oceans because we're melting ice caps and also expanding the uh, volume of water. And that means that when cyclones and hurricanes blow in, the higher level of the sea gives it a higher starting point and so it can reach further inland uh, when it floods. So in those places uh, all around the world where flooding is a problem, we're going to see it happening more frequently and more severely. Awesome. Thank you. Now we'll go to the one about fire, water and fire. <laughs> yeah, be doing great This is job. a crisis. If we were on a plane, I think the pilot's control panel would have several alarms going off. Siberia, USA, Turkey and Greece and Italy and Portugal in recent years. Huge areas just going up in flames, everything being reduced to ash. Scene after scene of hillsides ablaze. Wildfires are, in one sense, very, very simple. It just needs a spark in dry conditions to set them off. But in another sense, they're also very complex because the extent to which they spread depends very much on conditions in the ecosystem. How much moisture is there in the ground, in the air? How long has it been since there was last rainfall? What kind of trees there are? How dense is the biodiversity? Fires tend to burn faster when they're in a plantation and there's just one type of tree there isn't much undergrowth and moss and things like that that can absorb water. You get what scientists are always describing as tinderbox-like conditions where it doesn't take much to start the fire. And then once the fire is started, it spreads very, very quickly. You're doing such a good job with the speed. I think it's too, is it too, yeah, so good. We've already had more than one degree Celsius warming since the industrial era as a result of human emissions like exhaust fumes, industrial releases from chimneys and deforestation. And all of these gases are being released into the atmosphere. That's kind of cloaking the planet. And then everything below it heats up. We're seeing the water cycle change and we're seeing the land dry out more frequently and protracted periods of high temperatures. A kind of a, a reinforcing climate feedback mechanism because as more fires burn more fuel they release more carbon into the atmosphere which means more global heating which means more fires you can stop with it bro <laughs> yeah we don't need to see this but um haha you guys can take out that research in your own time um so that that's the real simple science yeah let's go to those funny looking cats um that's the really simple science um just to tell a small story, when I was 18, I, um, I had a fall in the kitchen, as if I was 80, not 18, and I um, rolled my ankle. And um, at the time, my sister said to me, you need to make sure you rehab that properly. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And I went to the physio for a little bit, and um, I was like, cool, all good. And then um, last year, I started getting problems with my knee. And so I went back to the physio, and they were like, oh, your ankle's like real inflexible. That's made problems with your knee, and also your hip. I was like, ah, oh, What? And so for 10 years, I've been walking just slightly wrong. <laughs> and that problem has gone to other parts of my body. And that's what's happening with the planet. There's something that's going wrong in the ankle, 
which is making problems for the knee and problems for the hip, which is making problems for the ankle, which is making problems for the knee, you know? And, um, yeah, just so, so compelling, that stuff about, like, how rugged it is when there's a fire, which makes the problem worse because it was started by the problem. Like, oh, that's annoying. Um, and what we can, what we know is um, that humans, like this, these cycles of like fire and water and the flows of um, carbon um, being released into the atmosphere, that's, that's stuff that's been going on forever. But we have um, really, really um, made a lot of change to the world. We've cut down a heap of trees to make space for um, plantations and to make space for cities. And um, we have dug up a lot of concentrated um, materials and burnt those as fossil fuels. And so we've really like turned the dials up on that. Um, and the reason we've chosen to do that is initially it was just like convenient. Just like it's way faster to get from here to there if we're um, able to burn some fuel rather than just using our own fuel um, or riding on a horse um, and using their fuel. We, we did it out of convenience. And so for a while, I guess we were pretty ignorant. Um, we, we didn't know that we were making like big problems at this level. But actually over like the last 50 years, we have known. There's um, a photo of the solar panels that were on the White House roof back in the 1970s that were installed by, I think... Who was in political people out there? Was it Dixon? Who was in the 70s? Uh, Nixon. Nixon. Oh, Carter put the solar panels in, and then the next guy just was like, no, 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 we'll remove those. Um, short. Um, <laughs> and so, like, the kind of trap of sin that we've been in has been, um, like, greed and then um, gluttony and um, and then just, like, sloth, really. Just, like oh, don't really want to look at the problem. And um, I saw a thing the other day by this awesome lady called Catherine Hayhoe, who is a Christian um, atmospheric scientist based in Texas, um, who's an absolute champ. If you, if you guys um, want to engage in conversations about um, like climate change with people who are skeptical or people who are resistant, she has just real cool stuff. Um, yeah, Catherine Hayhoe, such a legend. Where was I going with all this? I actually can't remember. Just got on a tirade about how great she is. Um, but, yeah, the reality is that um, where we have got to in the planet has been derived from this broken relationship with creation. And that has been fueled by sin's babies of um, greed and gluttony and sloth. Um, and yet the truth we have is that Jesus has overcome sin. Jesus is the victory over death. And so we're looking at the reality of like, man, rugged reality, but also fundamentally powerful truth and hope that Jesus um, is just like continually at work, that God is absolutely committed to um, life for what God has made. Um, some other pictures that have come to mind for me this weekend has just been about thinking about um, Jesus feet pierced on the cross and a few weeks ago we were um talking in church around like praying while like holding on to um like the kind of places where Jesus was pierced and I've, I've never really had a vision of Jesus feet before but they just like keep coming up into mind for me of like Jesus your feet were pierced um you came into the reality of brokenness and you were pierced to um go through that and um 
Then another thing that's come to mind for me is um, in, in Luke's gospel, there's the story of um, the people um, that had been Jesus' friends and were, were, were cruising with him who were devastated that he was gone. But they, um, I think they were also kind of like maybe hopeful, like we don't really understand what's going on. And there's inter- this interaction that um, Mary has with Jesus um, in, in the garden where she mistakes him for the gardener. And I've always just thought that that was like a, maybe she was blinded by grief. But I was thinking about how in the Genesis account, originally um, God creates the world and invites humans um, to enjoy it and to care for it and to be cared for by it and to garden with God. That kind of in the original humans being made in God's likeness, we were made to be gardeners and that God is a gardener and that Jesus is in his resurrected form is mistaken for a gardener. And and that's actually because, like, not just Jesus was some anybody, like that Jesus is a gardener um, kind of struck me. Don't know. Might just be me. Um, and so <laughs> the hope we have is that Jesus um, was so committed to the reality of this world to be pierced for it, overcame death, resurrected, was mistaken as a gardener, and invites us to garden with him still. And in all of us, God has written the memory of what it was like to be in the garden before sin. All of us have that story inside of us. All of us have that imagination inside of us. And that's there, and that's something we are called to live into. As I said, we're going to explore that more this afternoon. But that is, that is the truth. There is the reality, but there's also the truth. And so I wanted to um, just just share like a little story, which is a um, couple, couple of quick little stories around um, where, yeah, just going to go there. So this week um, I went for a coffee uh, with someone from a another church. I'd never met them before. I was kind of thinking about like, oh, we might be able to collab on some things. And um, it was just a real discouraging conversation, eh? Like, so discouraging. And my overall, like, I felt so sad in the chat. (laughs) And I felt sad because I was like, I'm actually no better than you, even though I think you're missing out so much on, like, what God is doing at the moment because of, like, your perceptions of these things. Um, Like, I know I'm not not any better than you and that I'm making mistakes and that I've got blind spots. But, like... I think that you're not committed to the reality of what's going on in our world. And I was just like, oh, like God needs us to look at the reality. And so I was like heading out of the cafe and I noticed on the wall of the cafe two tapestries, which I had never seen before. Has anyone been to Olive Cafe before? Yeah, yeah great cafe. There's these beautiful tapestries, which I was like asking the waitress lady about. I was like, are these for sale? Like what's going on with these tapestries? And they're like, oh no, they're just a part of the building. We got this building um, originally out of like a liquidation and so the art just came with the building I was like what I've never seen these before um, but um, they yeah they were so beautiful so the tapestries one of them um, was a picture of a lighthouse like up high and it just said um, beacon and then the next one was a tapestry and it just said big rock and um, <laughs> and I was like fresh off this conversation and just felt like God's encouragement like like, even in spite of discouragement, like, you are called to be a light, like, we are called to be a light, 
and like keep standing on the rock. It was just so crazy. And I felt grieved and I felt angry and I would have taken a photo of them but my phone had died and then I was kind of grateful that my phone had died so I didn't just like call someone up and bitch about this conversation I'd just been in um so I was like I think it's just meant to be Lord um but the the way that I was discouraged by that conversation didn't lead me to just like lie down it, it put a fire in me and that's so what I want for everyone here from this I don't bring the grief of the state of our world to tank us, I bring it so that you might be discouraged but receive the encouragement of Christ that um, we are called to be a beacon and to stand upon the rock. I want to bring another story. Um, I was reminded of this one this morning um, because Scotty started singing the song, but I, ha- I already had it on my, my bit of paper, which is um, many of you guys know the song we sing. Um, we have our hope. In Jesus. Yeah, but not everyone will know where that song comes from. So a few years ago, a bunch of us um, went over to Calcutta in India, and we um, we did a few different things while we were there, but we um, volunteered through Mother Teresa's kind of network of amazing things in Calcutta um, to serve. And as part of serving, what you do is you get along in the morning and you have a bit of an orientation time where they give you bananas Uh, white bread with really, really sweet jam and really sweet tea. So you have this, you meet the other volunteers for the day, um, they have a time of karakia and waiata gathering, and then they kind of just say, okay, we need this many people to go to this place, this many people to go to this place. And daily, people are kind of gathered and deployed to go out in service of the poorest of the poor in Kolkata. And the song that they sing every single day, they'll be singing it today, is we have our hope in Jesus that all things will be well, that all things will be well, that all things will be well in the Lord. And the reality that the sisters face there every day and the the volunteers that come day after day is um, that of neglect and of poverty and of death. That is daily the reality. And yet they keep showing up day by day and singing, we have our hope in Jesus that all things will be well. And so I want to I want to give that story to you guys so that you can sing that song um, on the days that you're discouraged, and you can know when we sing that song together that there are people on the other side of the world who are facing down um, the hardest of realities, um, and yet are holding on to hope and are inviting other people, all sorts of people from all over the world, to come and participate in the hope that they have in Jesus. And so. Um, one thing I want to give you guys, I mean, you know, this has been sort of all over the place. Can we just roll through some more slides just in case there's more stuff? Oh, yeah, this one I found quite funny. Um, seven sins in the, <laughs> in the digital world. Um, Tinder, Yelp, LinkedIn, Netflix, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just food for thought, everybody. All right. Um, so, yeah, to limit, to limit warming to 1.5 degrees, which is what we absolutely must endeavor to do, we must halve our global emissions by 2030. That's nine years. I'll be 37. Stop it. 38. Um, Like in nine years' time, like that's not that far away. So effectively what needs to happen from like right now is we need to pivot hard and run hard in the direction away from 
Um, greenhouse gas emissions. Perfect. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that later. Oh, they are so ready to pivot. They're so agile. They're ready to pivot. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll just go back to the other slide. Thank you. Yeah. So we, we've got to pivot hard. And I want us to sit with the, the reality for this morning. Um, and this afternoon, we're going to look at how we, we face that reality. We're already doing some cool stuff in camp, and I'll share what the impact of what we've done this camp is later on. But I want to sit with the, the fact that we need to do a lot of mahi as a global community in nine years, and that um, in everybody in this room, we need to do heaps of mahi um, because we, our society is um, built around like real high emissions, as you can see. Yeah, next slide's good. Yeah. Um, so that's the target we need to get to. So we kind of got a quarter what we're doing. <laughs> so yeah, nine years, a lot of mahi to do. We're going to come to more of that this afternoon. Um, but what I wanted to do is just sit with um, some of the, the grief of that reality um, and the uncomfortableness of that and to know God's encouragement and to know... Um, like the, the fueling of God's hope. And so if you just go down a few more slides, we've got like a little prayer time uh, thingy that I wanted. Grace, not guilt. This is good. That's what we hold on to. Um, this one, I am an imperfect person living in an imperfect world. God loves me. With God's help, we can improve things together. Yeah, so good. And so, um, yeah, next slide. Sorry, this is so carnage. Um, the thing is, we can come before God and we can confess our sins and God forgives us. It's not like when we get to like a quarter of the emissions, God forgives us. Right now, we are given the forgiveness of God. Like we are, we are made right with God because of Jesus. But that doesn't change the reality of like needing to act. So like there's still consequences for the bad stuff. One of those consequences just isn't broken relationship with God because God... God's like, you know, able to forgive us. Does that make sense? That there's like, there's the, there's the all good and then there's the not all good. And the all good is all good with God. And we have, we have that joy because so many people who are looking at this reality are just like, they don't have that joy. They don't have that hope. So we're going to practice a time of confession now and then we're going to intercede. Um, and it's going to be kind of like screens up on the thing. Um, and then you guys are going to go to small groups and I'll... I'll share what, what we're talking about in small groups in a minute. So let's just um, bow our heads for a bit, sit in silence before God, and just um, let some of the weight of this um, just settle before we lift it to God.
Almighty God, creator, shaper, and sustainer of all life and loving Father. We confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have been careless with the creation you so lovingly crafted and deaf to its song of praise. We've taken to satisfy our selfish desires rather than our need and been indifferent to the consequences as your world's song of praise has been silenced. Because of our greed and carelessness, the world is hurting and many of the most vulnerable children are suffering as a result. Please forgive our indifference. And so we say together, Almighty God, creator, shaper, and sustainer of all life, and loving Father, thank you for the forgiveness won for us by your Son, the Redeemer of all creation. We receive your grace to us and your love for us as we are. Change us now into what you would have us be. Move us to love and care for the world and make us ready to work for the good of all creation. Through the love and power of your Son, Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. For the sake of those facing rising temperatures, drought and water shortages, Creator God, in your mercy, renew this damaged world. For the sake of those facing unpredictable weather, disrupted seasons and failed crops, Creator God, in your mercy, renew this damaged world. For the sake of those who face flooding, land loss, salination of vital water supplies, Creator God, in your mercy, renew this damaged world. For the sake of all those who fear the changing climate, Creator God, in your mercy, renew this damaged world. For the sake of the poor and vulnerable and the refugee, Creator God, in your mercy, renew this damaged world. For the sake of us all, Creator God, in your mercy, recreate our hearts that we might partner with you to renew this damaged world. It goes on. Oh, this is a lot of reading. Father, we pray for you to raise up a generation of leaders with the courage to take responsibility for our changing climate and the part we have played in it. And God, I specifically pray, um, yeah, start with us. You give us leadership each um, in different ways. And um, God, we invite you to start with us in this. Father, we intercede for our political, our politicians and leaders. Cause them to act in the best interests of all nations today and all peoples in the future to avoid catastrophic changes. Father, we ask for a generation of leaders who are willing to act justly so that those who have contributed so little to the problems we are facing and have fewer resources with which to face it are not left to shoulder our burden. Father, we ask for you to fill the hearts of all who lead rich nations, and we name our own one in that. Give them your mercy and compassion on poorer countries already suffering the effects of a changing climate. 
Just as they are moved to cancel debt in the past, encourage them also to release funds so that poor communities can adapt to the effects of climate change and develop cleanly. Lord, in your mercy, lead our leaders to truth and transformation. It says this is for scientists and engineers, but we just want to claim artists, everybody, everybody that's making things and learning about things and communicating things. Creator God, creator of the world of science and of creativity itself, you hold all knowledge. We praise and thank you for the insights you have given people in engineering and science and arts and comms and all the things. In your mercy, grant revelation to these people that they might discover solutions and systems to aid adaptation. Now that we might continue to take the earth and its resources for granted. Not that we might (laughs) continue to take the earth and its resources for granted um, or grow arrogant, but that your precious children might be spared. Lord, in your mercy, lead our scientists and engineers and all the other awesome people to truth and transformation for development agencies and local communities striving to adapt to and campaign on climate change. We say, compassionate defender, we thank you for all those who have inspi- you have inspired and equipped to help communities suffering the effects of climate change now. Spirit of God, fill their minds with wisdom, their spirits with energy, and their hands with skill. Precious counsellor, we thank you for all who are speaking on behalf of the voiceless. Spirit of God, open the ears of the powerful to hear them. Limitless comforter, we thank you for all who are serving and giving so that those in need can adapt to a changing climate. Spirit of God, fill their hands with more resources to give those in need. Spirit of truth, speak to our hearts and and tell us what you would have us to do. Spirit of God, we surrender to you. Amen. Awesome.